Welcome to the 3B3 Podcast, a weekly look at the world of hockey with your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. All right, so last week I posed this random off-the-cuff question. Um, in the ECHL, the, Colorado, the former ECHL Colorado Eagles franchise was uh, the... Eight, uh, 17, 18 league champions, or no, I have my years wrong, I feel like. 17, no, 18. Right. Okay, yeah. good. Kelly Cup. Oh, I played a beer league game this afternoon and my whole, my mental state is all out of flux. <laughs> I'm used to playing when I'm exhausted and when, you know, you walk out of the rink, there's no sunlight. Mm. So I was thrown for a loop today. But, so, they they won last season's Kelly Cup. And apparently never returned the trophy. So I pose this question using a little revisionist history. What NHL team shouldn't have returned the Stanley Cup? Based on their feud with the league. Based on anything. So, so okay. Uh, I, I got an answer because Jen, NHL history girl, gave it to me. <laughs> Literally like 20 minutes ago on Twitter. She didn't intend to. It just kind of happened. Um, so she had tweeted the 95 New Jersey Devils were the first team to formally schedule a day with the Stanley Cup for players and personnel. Around the same time, the Hockey Hall of Fame and NHL set rules, some rules for the cup. No more strip clubs, no casinos, etc. And there you go. That's that's <laughs> they shouldn't have given the cup back. It's like what? God. We can't do whatever the heck we want with it. God damn it! This is two weeks in a row. Someone's. Was <sighs> oh, that so, the one you were going to use? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like unique rules for us and what we can do with it. And damn it! Oh hey, it's very loud suddenly. <laughs> well, but, apparently some of those rules were due to some. Uh, some unconfirmed stories about what happened with the 94 Rangers. So yeah. Yeah. Some, some of which have been loosely confirmed by some people's podcasts and sort of stories. And interviews. Yeah, and... exactly. Sort of allusions yeah. to certain things that may or may not have happened. God damn it. Two weeks in a row, my thunder gets <laughs> stolen out from underneath me. <clears throat> yes, that was going to be my answer too, because they were the first one to get sort of slapped in with the rules because of the debauchery that happened with the cup in previous years. Uh, God damn it! Okay, well that was a good episode, guys. We'll see you next week. <laughs> good try, good effort. Not bad, not bad. All right. Well, my only random thought was. You talk about being petty. 2010 Stanley Cup final. Blackhawks beat the Flyers in overtime in game six. Everyone was confused except for Patrick Kane and like one other Blackhawk player that he'd score the game winner. And then there was the whole kerfuffle of where did the game winning puck go? So I always wondered, what if they were just petty and demanded the actual game puck before they returned the cup? <laughs> that have changed their fortune. Would they have gotten 10,000 outdoor games and, you know, every other NBC broadcast? They're in the middle of the country and they are the third largest media like 
or third largest populated city metro area in the country. And so, of course, they're going to get everything. But yeah, probably you're right. <laughs> yeah, but all it all it takes is you pissing off the wrong person at one point. You know, maybe the NHL scheduler doesn't give you all those nice Wednesday night home dates because, you know, you really don't have a rivalry because you were kind of, uh, oh, I don't know, inconsequential for the last decade. Yeah. And no one thought to move them. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Here. I think the Toronto arenas shouldn't have given the cup back. They won it in 1918, right? And the 1919 Cup Final was canceled because of the influenza outbreak. Uh, I think the arena should have kept it. And said, until someone beats us, yo. Or maybe whoever... Do you remember off the top of your head, who was the last winner of the Challenge Cup before it was an NHL-only venture? I think it was Montreal. Um, that had been the Maroons, I think. Is yeah. the Cougars or the Maroons? Because I know the Cougars. Because the Canadians. uh, Hang on. Again, if there's only some magical information portal that you could. Yeah, here we go. That was. It was the Montreal Maroons. Yeah. 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 There you go. They should have said, up, peace out. But they were the NHL. So wouldn't have mattered anyway. Had the Cougars won it. That would have been great because that would have been the WHL, the old Western Hockey League, keeping it. (laughs) <laughs> and we wouldn't have the Stanley Cup as it is today. Right. They they totally would they totally would have Coloradoed it. <laughs> what do you you mean you're turning this into a challenge cup? We don't know where it went. Sorry, dudes. Oh uh, no, sorry, that was what, nineteen twenty six? Pip pip, sorry old man. We don't know where the, we don't know where your chalice of champions is gone. <laughs> Darn it. Forsooth. <laughs> Shame. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, actually, you know who should have kept it? It should have been the 1927 Ottawa Senators. They were the first ones to win it when it turned into an NHL Cup. Never give it back. Oh, okay, it's ours now. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got to be the last. It's got to be the last one to win it or the first one to win it under the new rules. Right. But isn't this the third... Kelly Cup. I think so. Yeah, that sounds about right. It sounds, yeah. Well, I mean, but then they also, like, switch around the Stanley Cup, too, so. Yeah, but uh, having been there, you see the original bowl still is in existence. Right. So, you know, this is this is just, you know. oh, With the um, Seattle Metropolitans on it. Goddamn right. <laughs> uh, hey. Still have more Stanley Cup banners in San Jose and Vancouver. Actually, no, no. I, eh, can't call Vancouver. Never mind. San Jose. <laughs> Still more Stanley Cup banners in San Jose. Oh, crap. And Minnesota. Yes. There's two teams. Buffalo. Oh, yeah. That's, oh, hey. God, you know. I kind oh, of forget expansion, about well, Yeah, who are the expansion era ones? That, <laughs> I, mean, I guess they all have, right? now. By now, I guess, except Buffalo. No, except, well, technically. Buffalo, Vancouver, if, technically. Uh, right, if you're, if you're not counting the millionaires as part of Vancouver's history. Well, and if you're not, then you can count Ottawa. Right. Um, 
speaking of which, uh, NHL history girl Jen Conway, she she sent this exact information out, and I'm trying to find it now. Earlier this week, um, because she she just knows. She knows everything. She's like amazing. Okay, here here we go. The Canucks, Sabers, um, the Coyotes, Sharks, and Senators. And then the new Jets, obviously. That's right. Yay, new Jets. <laughs> the Atlanta Peg Thrasher Jets. The Win the Wintela Jetters. <laughs> God, talk about polar opposites. <laughs> not, to, not to get off on a total tangent again, but from a place where it's like 120 degrees with 95% humidity in the middle of June to a place where it's 30 degrees and 2% humidity in the middle of June. <laughs> oh, the latter sounds lovely. <laughs> yeah, but that's 30 degrees centigrade or Celsius, depending on who you talk to. Yeah, I, I just meant that two percent humidity. Well, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I can't, yeah. I, oh yeah. Hi guys. <laughs> I completely forget you're back there in that that humidity zone. Right. Right now we are currently sitting at forty one percent, and it's oh, it's gorgeous. I can I, am, I, I can almost breathe normally. I am I am humidity impaired. <laughs> I can tell when it's really dry and I can tell when it's really, really humid, but everything in between, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> oh my God. I realized that when I moved to Florida, everyone's like, so humid here. And I'm like, is it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it hasn't bothered me. But then, you know, it's, it's also the, the growing up in the Pacific Northwest and uh, it being always damp in the winter. <laughs> Yeah, but I lived in Maryland and I still felt like oppressed by the humidity. Yeah, I had, I had yeah. to get in the. Sh- it always felt like I had to get in the shower to dry off. <laughs> yeah. So well, I was uh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to change the subjects on this. I was too. That. I was going to go into the buyouts with Dion Phaneuf. Fire away. And LA Kings. And do you think anyone's going to pick him up? Nope. Do you- I don't know about that. I I could think it it depends on how low he's willing to sign. I I could see this being like a poor man's Darian Hatcher signing. Oh my god! Except with less foot speed. I mean, come on. Yeah, <laughs> Darian. Oh See, the problem is if he were making, say, two to three million versus his seven million dollar cap hit with the no well, doesn't matter. Clause, yeah, I mean, because it doesn't matter at this point because he was just bought out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but if that contract was two million, I don't think they buy him out. I think they let it ride, and he just he's yeah. he rides the pine because he's what did he have left? Like two years, three two, years, two years at seven million. Uh, and he had minimal bonus issues going on. So it, it was feasible he could have gone to another team, but he didn't want to leave L.A. <laughs> so they cut him loose. Well, um, then maybe they'll re-sign him for way less. Oh, they're going to pull a, uh, oh, God. Who was it that Washington did that to? Oh, I don't remember, but yeah. 
That's what I was thinking of. I couldn't name names. Brooks Orpik. Oh, it was Orpik. Okay. Yeah, they they laundered him through Colorado (laughs) as part of the uh, Philip Grubauer trade. Oh, that's right. That's right. Right, right. I just just had Niskin on the brain for some reason because of the trade for Gudas and for some inane reason, Philadelphia retaining salary in that trade. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I... No, I I don't know. I God, you know, I say no so quickly and flippantly, and then I sit there and think that the NHL is a goddamn copycat league again, and who won the Stanley Cup, but kind of a slow, plodding, big, bulky team. So maybe somebody does take a, excuse the pun, flyer on him. Yeah. He's Just, 34. It's not like he's... You know, Chris Chelios kind of at the end of his career-ish. <laughs> if he were right-handed, how quickly would Toronto bring him back? If he, You know what? That's an interesting question. If he were right-handed, do you think he gets bought out? I mean, On L.A.'s team, I, I still might say yes, just because they are so slow. They kind of have to... Yeah, that's true. They have to get rid of some to of those worst offenders they're they're the florida of hockey you know it's god's waiting room everyone goes there to retire so that's where marlo's going next year is what you're telling me oh god (laughs) florida (laughs) florida is like the, the the de facto landing spot for everyone's bad contracts or free agents or arizona yeah well arizona's gonna be interesting because they got a new owner now, right? So I don't think they're going to be a dumping ground for bad contracts just to field a marginally competitive team. You know, they're not going to yeah. be—they're not going to be the 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 AHL affiliate for the entire NHL, right? Because yeah. nine times out of ten, it's they someone gets drafted in Arizona and they turn out to be a great player and end up having to get traded because Arizona can't pay them. So I'll be interested to see if the new owner actually starts piling money into there or not. Now, the purchase may be approved, but the transaction probably won't be done before, I would say, probably the middle of July, I would imagine. So I bet that severely hampers what they do as far as taking on money. I don't know. I bet, I'd almost bet it's one of those things where they put a provision somewhere in there that says, you know, the the new owner contingent type thing says, hey, you can spend up to you can spend up to this point. So go Perhaps. ahead. You know, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. Although or, I'm sure it wouldn't stop them from taking on, say, the David Clarkson contract because it'd be insured and it's not cash out of their uh, out of their margins. So yeah, but I think at some point you have to start looking at the cap as a real on-ice product, right? And not just something that is money. Like, yeah. it's, it's an expenditure. Just because it's an insured contract, you're just meeting the cap floor to meet the cap floor as opposed to fielding something. Because they're, they're at that point now as a franchise that I don't know how much longer they've got if they don't start winning. And they don't start being competitive. And I think if they're going to do that, there's going to have to be a little bit more money going out. Same thing kind of happened in Carolina, right? You just reach that sort of critical point where 
you were bleeding fans because people were not going to spend the kind of money you were asking to go watch a sub 500 team every year. Mm -hmm. And you have to dump off some of the larger contracts before you can recover. Yeah. And that's kind of one of the fascinating things about the coyotes is right now they already have 20 players signed for next season. And they're about, Oh, eight and a half million under the projected cap, which we still don't know about. I'd be surprised if it's not set in stone before the draft. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the board of governors are meeting the day before the draft. Yeah. And that's kind of why I'm thinking is they might approve that sale. They might expedite that sale so they don't put them on the back foot. Cause if they, for some reason I've got this feeling that like Arizona is sort of like Gary's pet project. He's going to do everything he can to make sure it succeeds. And if bringing in new ownership and solidifying the ownership situation and getting them an owner that is going to Tom Dundas somewhat is going to help that franchise. So that way Gary can feel safe and retiring knowing that Arizona is safe. But I just have this thing that's like, it's almost like it's, you know, he's, he's taking it on. Like it's the unloved puppy at the shelter that he's going to find a good home for be damned all else. He's, yeah, I, he does, he doesn't want to give up the market and yeah. well, he wouldn't I, have given up Atlanta if he'd had, if he had the resources to like put towards it, you know, it's like, but I'm sure that from everything I heard, he was furious about how that all played out. Which yeah, is, he had, tied. yeah, because he had like five other teams that he was juggling, trying to get ownership yeah. for and all of that, and uh, and so yeah, it was just he couldn't do anything about it, and that was that, and you know that's the only real expansion team that has failed for him because it keeps propping up Phoenix, um, and that's kind of why I think this is his pet project, right. He doesn't want to see it happening again. So, um, but then I also kind of think that that um, a new owner may be looking to Vegas as well. We've got to compete against them, so we need to like do better because Vegas is like the closest team to Phoenix, I think, right? They are. Yeah, it's a natural rivalry. To them. yeah. So, I mean, you know, they're both desert teams for what it's worth. I don't know. You could really market that if they really wanted to, I guess. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's that here's Vegas. They have, this, they have a great team, and then our team sucks, and you're buying a team that sucks, and you're looking around at the teams around you going, well, you know, L.A. is kind of the retirement community of the NHL. <laughs> Anaheim doesn't know what they're doing because they still don't have a coach. <laughs> God. Um, so the only real competition in that region is Vegas. Yeah, I, yeah. And you don't buy a team. I mean, you know, you when you buy a team, theoretically, it's because of the prestige of owning a team. Because no one or very few people make money off of sports teams. So, I mean. Well, you make money on the sale more than anything. Right. And the only way you can get return on profit on sale is 
really to inflate the value of the team. And the only way you do that is make it a viable franchise. Right. You know. Right. I mean, and people who buy sports teams are usually either A, doing it for the investment, or B, because they're competitive people themselves, or C, yeah. both. So, you know, it's like you're, you're going to buy a team, you're going to be looking around going, who who am I competing against, and how can I beat them? <laughs> yeah. and, so. and with the Hurricanes transaction, former owner still owns a majority share, and it sounds like Arizona transaction is going to work the same way because they figure as soon as the Seattle franchise enters the league, franchise values will be at an all-time high and they can cash out, you know, yeah, probably the highest point they could have possibly imagined, even at a minority share. Yeah, they'll, they'll, yeah, I wouldn't surprise me to see that. But I, I think in the case of Barraway, I think it was a case of he did not have the capital to do what he wanted to do with it and did not want to be in a partnership, like a, like a partnership group type thing. Right. It sounds like he potentially solved an Atlanta situation when he bought out everyone else. Originally, I guess that was 2017 in that current investment group. And he may have saved the franchise by doing that. Ultimately, yeah, uh, it'll be very interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, I don't know what percentage he's going to retain, but the fact that he's going to be a minority um, kind of says to me that I, uh, I think he did that, and then with the promise of saying we'll find someone else to take majority ownership type thing, you know, we'll try and find a, we'll try and find a majority buyer to give us some cash that you can infuse into the franchise and then you can work in kind of a partnership and not an investment group type thing. So we'll see. All I know is I'm highly disappointed right now. And I'm going to change subjects because the team that did the least at the trade deadline won the Stanley cup. Mm. So my dreams, so, so our dreams of complete chaos at the trade deadline, thanks to Yarmo Kekalainen are, are likely shot. Maybe. It depends. Because, I mean, most most owners or most GMs are going to be looking at the St. Louis Blues thinking, we need to have a team like theirs. They're not necessarily going to be thinking, well, they didn't do a lot at the trade deadline to get the team like theirs. So they're going to be looking more at how it's how the team is built rather than the method of building the team. And Columbus actually got really far. No, they got further than they had before. <laughs> well, I know, but I mean by like going all in because they were they were fairly far out of playoffs at that point when they at the trade deadline when they decided to just like go for it and they still made it into playoffs one and two they actually made it pretty far after they got into playoffs so so I think it may be a situation where. If the if the GM is desperate enough, then they might decide to try that ploy. And I could still see St. Louis. I know Doug Armstrong kind of held off at the trade deadline, probably against his own instincts. I could see him selling something big off uh, this summer. 
just because I doubt the roster is currently constructed could contend for a title. They can make the playoffs, I'm sure, but I doubt they can contend for a title again anytime soon. I think what they did worked well, but how are they going to do against a potential Oilers team that can actually make the playoffs if you know Vancouver takes another step? I don't think they can contend with high-powered offensive teams in the Western Conference. Because they didn't really go through those. Yeah, I was going to say, when you kind of think about it, they had, I mean, every team has the road paved for them a little bit. You have to get a little help. You have to have a little luck. But you also have to win what's in front of you. You have to beat the teams that are in front of you and win the games that you're supposed to. Not supposed to. I hate that phrase. You need to win the games that are meaningful. And Vegas getting knocked out by San Jose really turned that Western Conference a little bit on its ear. Because San Jose, for all of its purported depth and strength and everything, really was an old, slow team. You know, outside of Eric Carlson and Brent Burns, and Brent Burns is not a kid anymore. Um, really what's there? You know, Timo Meyer really stepped up his game, showed a lot of great promise, but, and so did, oh, Thomas, Tomas Hurdle has just been fantastic. He really mm-hmm. took a step forward. But they have to go on one of those benders, right? And Jones didn't save him. So San Jose was beatable. And Colorado, and, and San Jose taking out Colorado, again, really helped St. Louis. St. Louis says, I think their toughest battle was that Dallas one, because Dallas had the speed, and God, you know, Bishop played lights out. But they still couldn't find a way around it. So, you know, the the road was paved for St. Louis to get there. I think Go ahead, Cassie. I was just going to say, St. Louis has 16 players under contract for next season. They have, at this point, projected cap space of $18.7 million. And they're really shallow in depth. They don't. (laughs) They have eight forwards and three defensemen under contract in the minors. Yeah. And three goalies, two goalies. So, I mean, they, yeah, they're, they're, and then, I mean, if they're going to sign the same guys, they're going to want a lot of money, a lot more money, because they just won the Stanley Cup. Well, Bennington's going to get paid. I think Armstrong has come out and said that a number of times. So probably lop off five or six for that. And then, yeah, what the hell else are you going to do? They're going to be in middle. But then again, you know, what the hell do they care? This is almost like the 2012 Kings. Yeah, it's that one time. Well, well, with the Kings, it was we just managed to land in eighth place and then steamrolled the league in the playoffs. And St. Louis just managed to land themselves in a playoff spot, and the next thing you know, they're the Stanley Cup winners. It just happens to be luck sometimes. Well, yeah, I mean, St. Louis isn't going to be able to do do it next year because they have 29 contracts out of 50. They just have 29, and they have 44 out of 90 on the reserve list. Yeah, and... and That's it. (laughs) You know, the Kings were... The Kings were at least young enough and and 
the style of play fit the way that team was built at that time that they came back and were able to do it again in, in 2014. I don't see that with the St. Louis team. Pareko and Tarasenko, O'Reilly is getting a little bit older, but you know, Jaden Schwartz is probably on his decline, and Robbie Fabry needs a center, so what are you going to do? It would be really interesting to see. I mean, I don't... I, this is one of those magic runs. There's mm-hmm. no other way to put it. And it was fantastic to watch, but... And good on the city. You know, 52 years, is, especially with all those years where they were President's Trophy winners and just would get bounced by Chicago, inevitably. <laughs> you know, or San Jose, inevitably. So... I, I think that's almost like Toronto in basketball. You know, they're just who care what who the hell cares what happens next? They want it. It could they they could take another fifty two years. I think they'd be fine because <laughs> they want it finally. No, I just don't want this trade deadline to be boring, and I know it's going to be. Um. So. Going into the uh, the uh, draft, that's what it's called, draft. <laughs> there are currently 11 teams that are below the cap floor, which seems like a lot to me. That's about right for this time of year. Okay. I mean, it's, you've got contracts that are sort of floating around and teams that are uh, trying to clear space in preparation for um, July 1st. And then also you don't, they still haven't set the number in stone at what the cap's going to be, but based on historical looking at, based on looking at it historically, it's, you know, it, it averages three to 5% increase every year. So if you take the low end and, and sort of budget yourself to that, I think they'll probably, they want to clear space to try and go after those a couple of players here and there. Right. So, and you know, teams will carry because we're in the off season. I think there's a 10% overage you can carry. Yeah. And actually Vegas is the only one that's over. Yeah. Yeah. Vegas. Um, yeah. At 14. How do you, yeah. How do you they're over it? by like 125,000 or something. How do you, how do you, how do you have a second? I still don't get how you have a second year franchise. that's over the cup. Over the cap, it's just. Okay. <laughs> oh, and they only have like thirty-four contracts. <laughs> I, I, I know, and it's just you know that doesn't speak well for three or four years from now. It's just still amazing that hi, we're a second-year team and we're already a, we're already over the cap. <laughs> hi, <laughs> you know. Granted, they got some pretty good deals in. Um, I still think the Pacioretty deal is a bit heavy. I think the Stone deal is about right. I think the Stasny deal is a little bit heavy, but uh, I don't know. <sighs> yeah, there should be some turnover this year for them. And it, what's going to be really interesting is there's reports starting to <laughs> surface that the Sharks are the front runners for Eric Carlson. I know, I saw that. Eight years. <laughs> It's not. It's not the term. Go ahead, Pat. Uh, eleven. Uh huh. The number starts with eleven. Uh huh. That's a. 
That's, uh-huh. uh, why? Uh-huh. For glass groin. For, what, he's 29, right? Yeah. 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 So, uh-huh. you know, the comparable is Dowdy. He just turned 29, and he already signed his contract. Mm-hmm. So. Uh. And, and Dowdy has, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, oh, yeah. A smaller injury history. He has an actual ankle. Yeah, exactly. And a groin. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's, uh, I, I guess they're going to remake the, the $6 million man into the $11 million man. And every time Eric Carlson touches a puck, you're going to hear that electronic sound they used to play on the old TV show. <laughs> because half of them, you know, half his, be lower, half his lower body is all, you know, completely robotic. High risk, high reward? Uh, no. <laughs> On his end. <laughs> no, his contract's guaranteed. The minute, that, the minute that pen goes to paper, he's like, peace out. No, no, that's the high reward part. The high risk For is him. whether he stays healthy, yes. <laughs> to, to hell with that. I mean, if it were concussions, there's long, you know, not to, say, not to discount that there's long-term effects of even this crap, you know, when he's 40 years old or something and can hardly pick up his kids because... He's got no lower body strength because he's all artificial, but (laughs) what the hell does he care? (laughs) So is he going to be the first person to have a specific load management plan in the NHL? Or or or, or are we going to call it the Scott Niedermeyer plan where they sit out half a year and then sign? Wow. That's just... How about they sign him and he still sits out half a year? I mean, that's pretty feasible. <laughs> well, I, you know what? I, haven't, I have not seen anything about his recovery schedule for his groin surgery, so he may end up sitting out half the year, even if he signs. I mean, if the indication of that shark's medical staff is anything, they'll probably say, no, he's good to go on game one, and he'll re-injure it. And then, boom, you know, he's gone until late February. Which is probably why he wants to sign in San Jose, because the weather's nice in the winter. That's true. (laughs) And the medical staff has absolutely no problem sending him out with a clearly injured lower half. God. Yeah, don't even even get started on that, looking at the Boston Bruins and their injury lineup. God, that was painful. More so than usual. Jake, Jake, Jake DeBrusque, my friend, I know you're listening to this, right? Because we, all, <laughs> we are the go-to podcast, you know, Heck for yeah. all of the NHL to help mm-hmm. with all the rest of them. 31 Thoughts, you're our, you know, you're our punks. <laughs> Spitting chicklets, that's, ain't got nothing on us. That's why they take our ideas. Exactly. Jake, there's no such thing as concussion symptoms. There's concussion or not a concussion. If you have symptoms, you still have a concussion. Thank you. Thank you. I have cancer symptoms. No, you have cancer. No, no, I've just got the symptoms. I don't have the cancer. I just have the symptoms. Mm-hmm. And you're being treated for the symptoms, but you yeah. don't have cancer. No, of course not. Chemotherapy? I'm only taking it to cure the symptoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody, I, somebody had uh, retweeted the list. 
Adam Prato, and he was like, just about every NHL team's post Stanley Cup run injury re- report reveals or re- injury reveal reads like a car crash report. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. See, I'm I'm looking at Noel Akiari. Is that his name? How you say his last uh, name? Achari. A- Achari. Yeah. Broken sternum. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. And and the and the suspicion was that it happened on that trip from Bozak when he fell backwards. That people that that people amazingly say he dove. I I personally, when I dive, I look to injure myself in quite possibly one of the most uncomfortable ways. And having torn some of those muscles in your ribs, which is apparently only the like on the on the pain scale. It's number four behind giving birth, getting shot, and having a heart attack. I, you know, I personally look to intentionally injure myself. Oh uh, no, you know, I get, I get the random like muscle cramp right, right at the edge of my sternum occasionally, and it's not pleasant. <laughs> every time I, every time it happens, I have to stop and think about it, and like, that's not a heart attack, right? <laughs> <laughs> Because it, oh, it's just, it is not fun. And so it's like the, the broken sternum thing. I'm just like, oh, God. And no. who, was it, who was it that had the broken humerus? It was one of the defensemen. Oh. I, uh, they, so the list read. Was it Col- Not Colin. Millet? Uh, Kevin, Kevin Miller? Yeah. No, Kevin Miller had the broken kneecap. Yes. Oh, okay. Right, right region, wrong player. Okay. Yeah. John Moore had the broken humerus. Yeah. Zdeno Chara had the broken jaw with the plates and the screws. Oh my God. The Brusque had the concussion. Symptoms. Symptoms, Cassie. Not, not actual <laughs> concussion. I just had symptoms. The Sternak, Pasternak, um, re-aggravated thumb. Whatever that means. Patrice Bergeron, for once, only came out with a groin. <laughs> he didn't have, like... A collapsed lung and a broken and just, rib. Yeah. A <laughs> slip disc and... And everything else. And then Brad Marchand had... It just says abdomen, groin, sprained hand. No sprained tongue? <laughs> no, no. He has to have that, like, in, in perfect shape to go licking people. So... But he didn't, so that's why I was assuming that he had a sprained tongue because he didn't. He didn't like Maybe. Mm. Maybe. Clearly, yeah, I, the reason they lost in seven. They 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 got they just couldn't take a licking. <laughs> 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 oh my my dad drugs my dad jokes are strong. <clears throat> yeah. So I haven't heard anything about about the St. Louis Blues, but right now they're feeling no pain, so I guess it doesn't really matter. Uh, I don't think they're feeling anything, much less pain right now. <laughs> <laughs> although I although I am a mildly disappointed that the exuberance the exuberance has not um, found its way completely onto the internet like the Caps did. Give it time. Either that or they learned from the Caps and decided they weren't going to do that and told everybody they weren't going to do that. Uh, they, there, were, there was a couple 
there were a couple videos from the parade. It's just, yeah, but that's just different parade. personalities. That's the parade, right? Right. What we saw from the Caps was nowhere near the parade. And there's only so many places in St. Louis they can do that sort of stuff anyway. There's a big freaking river. <laughs> it's that's a, that's a little different right than a, a fountain. I mean, yeah. They but can, would you really want to go in that river? That's another story. Hey. You know, they can fish the, the cup out of a pond, per se, but I don't know if they want to get it out of the river. Should pull it up on a rope at the arch. This is what, see, this is what I'm saying. Come on. Step your game up, St. Louis. I mean, just because you had the entire downtown downtown core packed on a Saturday, which, by the way, Saturday, brilliant, brilliant execution, because how many times do you see championship parades on a weekend? I know, right? Right. It's a stupid little thing. But how many times do you see it? Often they're on a Monday or a Tuesday. Well, and they do it, but they do it so that all the players can leave and like, you know, do, but nobody leaves. That's the thing is like, you win the championship, you win the Stanley cup and nobody leaves the town for like two or three weeks because everyone's partying with everybody else. (laughs) Right. I mean, when you don't have to pay for food or beverage, why would you? I get it. Everything's covered for by the team generally, you know. Or by fans. (laughs) Or by businesses. (laughs) You know, the the infamous stories of the Stanley Cup just appearing at certain clubs in New York City, and the next thing you know, it's in a roped-off section of the club, and yeah. Not that any of those ever happened. Wink, Uh, wink, nudge, Not that anyone can recall. There weren't pictures. Nope. Right? (laughs) Of course not. I can neither confirm nor deny that, Senator. Right. Uh, well, uh, it's the. I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you it's the truth. I'm just telling you what I heard. Mm-hmm. Okay, complain. Yeah. <laughs> I have to pull that line out because I do actually like it. It's good. <laughs> I actually had a coworker or not coworker person at work. I e- was emailing with about a topic, What's... and no, and they had a they had the the best one line, and I think I might have mentioned it before, which was, um, I suggest we. Proceed as usual until apprehended. <laughs> so someone you work with isn't a co-worker? Do they have work symptoms but not work? <laughs> yes. Now they're in a leather location, so I can't oh. say that I work with them. <laughs> Do you work for the same company? Yes. You're a co-worker. You're mm. a co- yeah. Mm. You're co-workers. Mm. Your co-workers. Um, I'm just sitting here laughing again because I'm thinking, who did San Jose draft in the last entry draft? Oh, yeah, Ryan Merkley, who is an offensive defenseman. Huh. Hmm. But but their their room can take on his personality. I don't, I, I'm going to throw that aside right now. Just go with the player archetype. Right? Yeah. Huh. Player with Eric Carlson-style player discovers that adding two more Eric Carlsons doesn't exponentially increase their Eric Carlson factor. It actually is... Det- yeah, that's... Uh, okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, you know, you know how teams are, though. They they don't always trust the players that they dropped. They'd rather trust the players that other teams dropped and they that are proven that they can get from them. 
All right, so since we were talking about the draft, uh, sorry, this just gives me silence. wondering. <laughs> awkward silence. How many how many picks in like the second half of the draft are just traded away? How much well, are teams trading back? I don't think as many. I don't think as many. I, this is, I mean, this is not scheduled, scheduled, projected to be one of those ridiculously deep drafts. But and, and that's why I wonder. Well, people just get silly because I rate player A, you know, twenty spots higher than you do. So I'm just gonna go get them. You know, it's. And there are certain teams that lack first-round picks, several that may have multiples. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be weird. Well, I I guess we'll just have to wait and see when we're there, won't we, Mister Clark? Oh yeah, is that a thing that's happening? That's a thing that's in happening. four days. Yes. Well, it is. I I leave in four days. Well, it's gonna be funny because by the time this podcast podcast gets published, it'll podcast. be done. Yeah, that too. I will. It'll, it'll all be over and done with. So, welcome right. to the past. Yeah, trying to recover. <laughs> I'm still trying to recover from the jet lag and the potential all nighter because the 747 Max issue bumped my departing flight to like 6:30 a.m. So here, let's let's just cover our bases. My God, can you believe that New Jersey took first overall? <laughs> and I'll just cut in. You know, I'll just cut in later. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> in post I'll cut it in in post <laughs> oh my god that trade between and was amazing uh-huh. I don't know I, I still can't believe the Canucks did in front of their home crowd that was unbelievable dude the crowd went for it <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can turn this into an interact, interactive YouTube edition. We'll just like choose your own adventure. It's a choose your own adventure hockey podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's seriously. We'll just you know we'll do like they do with video games. We'll just record snippets of dialogue that people can choose from and insert them over the over the pre-recorded stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Here we have this pre-recorded. Choose what you want to listen to next. Seriously. Make us sound like brilliant people or complete idiots. Choose your own adventure. Or both. <laughs> or both. <laughs> Probably both. More than likely they'll go with the idiot factor because I'm here. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be fair. I don't know. I, I think there are teams that are loaded with draft picks that I think would behoove them to move for some assets, some players. Um. But I don't know. I mean, I I can see Ottawa completely standing pat with their you know plethora of picks over the next couple of years. I, I Carolina would probably be a mover. So you guys yeah. are skipping over the awards in Vegas? No, I'm not. I'm just, <laughs> I, I'm just ignoring them completely. Over. Exist. No, they they exist as a thing. I'm not going to deny yeah. their their existence in this world. Is I I, I listened to, to something I... that <laughs> I listened to something I was recapping the finalists and wow, if this year isn't a great case study of maybe we should wait until after the playoffs to do all this, and that way they could avoid the show itself entirely. Yes, yeah, seriously, that might be fun. Seriously, mm. uh, yeah, because 
Okay, I don't even want to spend another breath on talking about it because, yeah. So take it away, Cassie. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Fire All right, away. So, so before I do that, I'm going to do the rundown on NHL key dates, uh, if you guys are okay with that. Of course. So today, my half birthday is June 15th. It is uh, uh, the first buyout period starts. That's right. Timestamp time stamp the episode so we'll either sound like oracles or idiots. <laughs> uh, that's what we have the uh, recorded date in our blurb for. <laughs> so yeah. June, June 19th, awards in Vegas. June 19th is also the Board of Governors in Vegas, which doesn't sound right to me, but okay. Uh, June 20th, GM's meeting in Vancouver. God, that just that just horrifies me, just imagining all those GMs in one room. Not because of the trades that they would do, but just just because of their hockey men. Anyway, <laughs> 21 through 22 June, draft in Vancouver. Uh, 23 June, UFA interviews begin. June 25th, full schedule release. Mark that on your calendars. June 25th, that's when you can start planning your life for the next nine months or six months. Uh, June 26th, RFA interviews begin, and July 1st, free agency, or hockey Christmas, as some people like to call it. <laughs> so, all right. So I have a question. Yes. Fire when ready. All right. So this is this is the draft edition question. The pre the pre post draft edition question. Pre post. <laughs> We're just we're just all over, you know. <laughs> anyway, we're time travelers. Yeah, we bounce around. Um, <clears throat> so, if you were putting together a team, an NHL team, and you were drafting, what position would you want to build your team around, and why? Not player, but position. Follow us on Twitter at 3v3 Podcast. This has been the 3v3 Podcast, sponsored by Nobody.